0: This is Gerard Fox, and I am bringing to you my podcast, The Verdict Is In. And of course, these podcasts are intended to teach our audience, which are people, general counsel, business owners, how to use lawyers more effectively, more cost-effectively, and to add value to their corporations, and to bring on interesting guests so that people have different perspectives on lawyers and their lives, and how to work with their lawyers a little bit more efficiently. I am honored to have a lawyer who is at our firm, Maya Lukic, is of counsel at Gerard Fox Law in New York. She works in our New York office, but all our lawyers travel all over the country to try cases. She is a 2010 graduate of Cornell Law School, where she was on the Cornell Law Review. For the past nine years, she has been practicing law in New York. She lives in Brooklyn and really is working hard to build ties in Brooklyn. So if you're in Brooklyn and you hear this, know that there's a lawyer there who is there to get to know you and help your business. And you know, at our firm, everyone's cut their rates from the big firm rates. We will review your initial matter without charge. And we really try to be efficient. And we give an extra break to the people in the neighborhood. And so Maya's very proud to be in Brooklyn. She's Been publishing poetry for several years, and that's the focus in part of this podcast. Her poems have appeared in a number of print and online literary magazines. And most recently, former U.S. poet laureate Tracy K. Smith featured one of Maya's poems on her daily poetry podcast, The Slowdown. And I would recommend that if you love poetry, check out that podcast, The Slowdown by Tracy K. Smith. Maya is currently working on her first full-length poetry manuscript. And Maya, welcome to The Verdict is In.
1: Thank you. Very happy to be here.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your path in life and where your family's from, the different languages you speak, what brought you to law school. Let's start with that.
1: Sure. So my family is from the former Yugoslavia. I was born in Croatia. And we're Serbian and Montenegrin. So as I was growing up, it was really one language, Serbo Croatian. It's now several languages. So I guess I can lay claim to all of them. But we basically lived in Croatia until the war broke out there. And then as Yugoslavia sort of fell apart in the 90s, we moved to Canada, where my father had relatives. So I grew up in Canada and the US. And as I, I was growing up, I did a lot of theater and a lot of writing. And at some point during theater school and college, I decided to transfer into law. And I went to law school in Ithaca, New York,
0: Cornell. Where in Canada did you grow up? I have a lot of Canadian friends. And a shout out to the folks in Canada who listen to this podcast. We have clients in Canada. Uh, and I love Calgary. I love Toronto. Very clean country and people are generally very nice. But where did you grow up in Canada?
1: So I grew up in Ontario in a suburb just outside of Toronto called Mississauga. And then when I went back to Canada for college, I did my freshman year in British Columbia in Burnaby, just outside Vancouver, And then my parents, meanwhile, had moved to Newfoundland on the opposite coast. So I finished out my college years in Newfoundland in a very small town there. I think I've seen a great deal of Canada.
0: You have seen various parts of the world, which I'm sure aids you in understanding clients from different countries. Do you speak French?
1: (laughs) No. I mean, yes, I've studied French. So it's a a second language, an official language in Canada. So I grew up studying French. And then when I moved to the U.S. for high school, I continued studying French and took AP French. And I'll read books in French and watch French TV shows. It's one of these languages that I think you have to use almost every day or it sort of disappears. It runs away from you. But it's beautiful and it's very challenging. And So, yeah, my relationship with French is complex, but I do love it.
0: Now, what areas of the law and litigation, I've explained to the audience that our firm handles all types of cases, except for personal injury cases and family law. We handle all types of litigation throughout the entire country. In fact, we've done arbitrations in England and Hong Kong. What areas of the law interest you the most?
1: So I've seen a little bit of, well, I've seen quite a lot since I've been at Gerard Fox. I mean, most recently, I've been able to work on a trademark case, and that's quickly become one of my favorite areas, just from my brief introduction to it now. i worked for several years in environmental law, and that's still a passion of mine. And I do like class action litigation quite a lot. I like how... There's a rhythm to class action that I really enjoy. But I think right now, being able to work on a trademark case
0: is really the highlight. For the listening audience, our firm handles environmental cleanup cases. We have a lot of real estate clients who, and construction industry clients. And there are often issues with if you're going to build in an area, you need an environmental impact study. You need to be able to have people sign off on that to be able to go forward with your construction. Our firm knows how to handle those administrative proceedings. There's also situations where you buy a property in a commercial setting or a residential condo setting, and the property turns out to have contamination that was not disclosed. Those are very complex cases, but we've handled those. In fact, had one of the most complex of those cases. So we handle those. And as Maya noted, we are beginning to represent a ton of restaurants. So if you're a restaurant owner out there, dial us up if you have a legal issue. Remember, we don't charge for the initial consultation, but often people will use a name that infringes on your name or they try to pass their restaurant off as yours. Or you might have an insurance issue where you need to make a claim on your insurance policy. We handle all of that. Class actions are very interesting, and we have handled those. Often I will tell my clients that, If they can bring the claim individually, it moves faster than the class action, which is important, but that's a discussion for another day. Now, the most interesting aspect, and I want to spend time on this for the listening audience, and I'm going to talk to lawyers, including general counsel, and to the people who hire lawyers. You don't want a lawyer who is a workaholic. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Some of my most brilliant closing arguments have come when I was playing with my kids in the backyard or I was on a long jog, the mind needs to be free from just a maniacal, constant reading of cases and writing of briefs and answering of emails and taking phone calls to be able to harvest some of the most novel winning arguments. So when you're interviewing your lawyer, you should make sure you ask them a whole series of questions. Like, what do you do when you're not practicing law? Now, that's a fair question, not just for an interview, but actually for the lawyer you're about to hire, because it will tell you something about their balance. And you get to see another side of the person you're hiring to handle this very important matter for you. I think general counsel are far too narrow in their analysis of who they're hiring. Let me find out who I'm working with. That's very important. And Maya has really a tremendous balance. She's a tremendously talented person. So Maya, let's talk about your journey into poetry.
1: Sure. I've always had an interest in writing a love of language and what words can do, I guess. And I think that's sort of a common thread with both poetry and law. So all through junior high and high school, I was writing little things. And then at some point in my mid-20s, i discovered literary magazines and I found out that I could just send what I was writing to magazines and see it published. And so slowly I started to aggregate individual poetry publications and then I met a poet at NYU who very quickly became my mentor and a very good friend. And she really helped me sort of hone in on what I was good at and gave me permission to write the way I wanted to write. And so it just sort of grew into this great love of poetry and the written word. And so I've been publishing steadily and I'm trying to get my, I guess, full length poetry collection published at the moment. But I sort of always did that in tandem with law. So whatever job I had, I would write in the morning and then move on to a legal brief or a complaint or whatever I was writing. And it was just kind of like a seamless transition in my day. I think it still works that way I'll start off with poetry and then move toward my legal work in the morning.
0: Now, Maya, we have Sean Hall, who is the songwriter, who writes songs, both the music and the lyrics for a variety of very famous singers and bands, who's going to be in our podcast on Friday. And he's a client of ours who's suing to protect his lyrics in a lawsuit against Taylor Swift. Everyone, you should tune in for that. It'll be available in a week or two after you hear this. But certainly, I've represented many artists, actors, directors, screenwriters, and songwriters. And I can tell you that they all report to me the tremendous, huge burst of joy inside themselves when they see something they've created displayed publicly. So what was it like when your first couple poems got picked up by literary magazines and were published?
1: I mean, it was terrifying (laughs) at first, but also incredibly exciting because at the time I was also very junior associates or whatever I drafted at work would go through a number of revisions. And by the time it was filed, I didn't really feel like I had ownership of whatever I was working on. But suddenly, I was the only one responsible for this piece of writing that was out there. And to the extent I was pulling in aspects of my life or my thoughts or putting myself out there, I also just felt very vulnerable. But it's kind of an incredible thing. And now, because of the way publication process works, by the time something is published, it's already like two or three years old. So it's like an older version of me that wrote a poem that is now out there, which is also kind of an interesting process, but it's incredibly exciting. And, um, but I think I would do it, even if the publication were not part of it, I think I would just write every day, no matter what, it just makes me happy. And I think it just makes me a happier, calmer person.
0: Yes. And you hit on a couple of really important points there, Maya. One All of my artists that I represent talk about their creations coming from within them. One of them compared it to giving birth to a child, that it's a part of them. And I always tell this to everyone who's out there who thinks they should be able to copy anything that somebody produces. A poem, a story, a screenplay, a song comes from someone's soul. It is born out of them. You would agree with that, right, Maya?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what makes the best art because it's idiosyncratic and it's specific to the artist and there's something of the artist in it. And you're really the only person who could have created that. And that's kind of what gives the piece complexity and layers and what makes it stand out from everything else out there.
0: Yeah. You know, this firm, our firm, Gerard Fox Law, is dedicated to protecting artists and their rights. We have a pro bono program and we worked very hard. We represented the songwriters in North America against the Justice Department when they were trying to change the way in which songwriters would get paid performance royalties. I'll never forget sitting with the Neville brothers in New Orleans, uh, Art Neville, and he explained to me that when they were young children, they were poor and they uh, were around construction sites and they would turn these uh, cement mixing or paint mixing plastic drums upside down and get a stick and they began creating their first thought of musical compositions. And that really tells you how personal a composition or a poem or a writing is and how important it is not to steal it or take it or borrow it unless you pay for it or get a license. Now, also, Maya, you noted something, and I just want to take a moment and pivot here. You know, I constantly will open the curtain on legal practice. And when I was a young associate at a big firm, a partner called me up to ask me to write a letter for them. And I wrote it and I was a good writer and they rewrote it five times. And so the issue with big law firms is that, you know, they ask you to rewrite things and they use younger associates that they're training and charge you for it. I've talked about that in another episode. Now, Maya, getting back to your love of poetry and the fact that you would do it for free, What balance do you find in your day, and how does it make you a better lawyer by working on poetry?
1: I mean, for me, poetry is, so some people have a meditation practice, or they're runners, or they do something that's very mind-body that helps them sort of think through problems. And I think poetry for me has always been a way to... I think best on the page. I think my way through writing, I think some people have to talk out their arguments. I tend to just pick up a piece of paper and write, but it also, it's a necessary break in my day or my week where I can put problems aside, do something else and then come back feeling refreshed or re-energized, or I have that little bit of space to just be creative. There are no expectations. There are no rules and my mind can just kind of create for a bit. And then usually when I come back to law, it's almost like sleeping or (laughs) you just feel refreshed and look at things from new perspectives and maybe take more creative approaches to problems that or see solutions where I didn't see them before. So it really does help with that. I think it's just the common thread in my days. I don't, always perfectly balanced my day. I mean, some days I do probably more work and I don't write, but I think at the end of every week, there's healthy balance of creative side and my legal work.
0: Well, I'm very proud of you for finding that balance. And we look for lawyers and I think the outside world will know our lawyers are very balanced and have a lot of interests that allows them to be more complete attorneys when they're focusing on work. Do you have a particular poem you'd like to read to our audience?
1: Sure. Yeah, it's a poem I wrote when I was in Norway a few years ago, and then it was published in one of my favorite online literary magazines called Prelude, which is a great magazine that anyone who wants to sort of get into modern poetry
0: should check out. Well, why don't you please share that with the audience?
1: All right. Norway. In Bergen, I run circles around the lake as the sun skims tall trees and leaves me circling. I see my fate in the flat lake. The thrust of summer light into midnight is a fever, a beautiful allergy keeping the town awake. Rain hits the gutters of the old house, clatters like tiny rocks. Now I am nameless. Now I am the heavy mist over green fjords slicking all around me. I can be cold, but not bad here. A man wants to predict the age of my death, but I'm awake before I hear the number. The 5 a.m. sky is modeled. The sun's a white bruise, a patch of my skin. Bergen sees itself in the black mirror of Bergen. There are homes on the hillside with closed eyes and closed doors. You're in one of them, but I haven't met you yet.
0: That is a really powerful poem. It's one that, at least from my perspective, and I'd like to suggest the audience um, really focus on that, It is easy to visualize all of the things that you're talking about. And for the reader, they wonder if they're the person in that home that you haven't met yet. And it allows them to step into your poem in a way, which is really fascinating. It's a lovely statement on a period of time in life that you experienced. We're really blessed to have you share that with us. I'm sure that you feel that you find an inner peace when you write this poetry.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, again, it's a way to work through my thoughts or concerns or questions or just sometimes the most random notes. I mean, I think this came out of some travel notes I had made while I was in Norway. And then I looked back at them later. And also it's a way of recording what I'm thinking and at any given time and something I can look back at later and think, okay, I was that person who had these thoughts or these concerns or these feelings. So it's, it's an interesting way to document sort of my, I guess like my inner
0: world. Now tell me a little bit about living in Brooklyn, New York. You take great pride in living in Brooklyn and also are looking for opportunities regularly to service the community with your legal skills. And obviously I would assume you also have groups that you share your poetry with. Tell me a little bit about Brooklyn.
1: I love Brooklyn. So I've lived in New York for nine years now. And for the last year, I've been in Brooklyn and Fort Greene. I think something about experiencing the pandemic here and watching my community in Brooklyn go through it and my neighborhood, I have so much love for Brooklyn right now and such loyalty for I just remember the sort of earliest weeks of quarantine when everything was just so uncertain. I was just at Prospect Park almost every day, and it was such a resource. So I have a real love for this borough, and I'm definitely interested in helping and giving back to it in any way I can. So you have me working on a very interesting case that's sort of assisting a Brooklyn restaurant, although they have a location in Soho as well. And so that's exactly the kind of thing that I would love to be working on now is helping out local businesses or really assisting anyone who's still struggling with the pandemic, as I'm sure a lot of local business owners are.
0: Well, first of all, Maya, can you give the listening audience your email address? And Brooklyn, this is a shout out to you. This is a lawyer who wants to give to their community. And that is not easy to find. From a high-powered firm that handles cases all over the country, she is focused on your neighborhood. So if you have any type of business issue, you have a rent issue, you have an issue with your landlord, you have an issue because someone's stolen a recipe or, like, again, infringed on your name, or they're defaming you in social media, or they're stalking you and you're an entertainer, or you have a song that was stolen. Now you know that Maya can relate to music and to poetry and to all these things. There's any number of cases that people in Brooklyn of all different types have. So Maya's going to give you her email address. She's one of your neighbors, and she is a very complete person and an interesting person to work with you and a sincere person who cherishes her clients. Maya, do you want to give your email address?
1: Sure. It's mlukic at Gerard Fox Law. So that's M-L-U-K-I-C at Gerard Fox Law.
0: We're going to try to find a day when this pandemic gets uh, over where we're going to try to find a location in Brooklyn where we're going to have Maya meet clients and give them preliminary advice on some issues for free. And we may even let her get behind the mic and take some calls from people in Brooklyn. We want her to have exposure to you. So she's your neighbor. She's giving you her email address. Our firm number is 310- 441-0500. 441-0500. Don't be thrown off by the 310. That's a LA area code. That's because we have an LA office, but you can be put in touch by calling that phone number with Maya very quickly. People who answer the phone will find her. Maya, do you have any parting words for our audience? And I would want to thank you for coming on and sharing and opening up and reading us a poem, but any closing words? First, thank you so
1: much for having me here. This is such a joy. I think everyone should subscribe to this podcast. And I don't know, just read more poems, (laughs) read poetry.
0: Yes, I'm intrigued. I can make some closing notes. First of all, I met Maya online. I haven't met her in person. This is part of the pandemic is that you hire people by meeting them. But I read her background and I read her poetry. And the poetry is what really revealed the person to me. And I should tell you that whatever you're doing, you know, whether you paint, and I'm talking about the average person, you know, try to find something artistic. Everyone's talking about meditation and all these different ways to live through the pandemic. Try to find something where you create, whether you're building, building a new bathroom, doing landscaping. Many of you can learn a new instrument or learn new languages. Or, as Maya said, write a few poems, journal. Anyhow, everyone have a fantastic day. Thrive on. You now know Maya and it is a privilege for any of you to call her up, talk to her about a case and have her be your lawyer or call her up to ask her about her poetry. And Maya, it's always great to talk to you. As I said to my audience, thrive on and have a great day.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.